0: we do receive this tradition of standing in honor of God's word uh, from Ezra the priest, uh, as we see in the book of Nehemiah. So, as we stand, follow along as I read. Verse 10 of Acts 17. Then the brethren immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into this synagogue Of the Jews. These were more fair minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out whether these things were so. Therefore, many of them believed, and also not a few of the Greeks, prominent women as well as men. But when the Jews from Thessalonica learned that the word of God was preached by Paul at Berea, they came there also and stirred up the crowds. Then immediately the brethren sent Paul away to go to the sea. But both Silas and Timothy remained there. So those who conducted Paul brought him to Athens, and receiving a command for Silas and Timothy to come to him with all speed, they departed. Father, we pray that you would speak to our hearts this day. As we look at this passage that speaks to us some very, very important things. God, we pray that you would implant your word into our hearts. Lord, that you would cause your word as you plant your word there to bring forth fruit. Lord, that we would even as the Bereans receive your word today with all readiness of mind and ready to search your scriptures to see if the things that they're hearing from this pulpit are really true. God, have your way with us. Cause us growth. Cause us to to become more like Jesus, your son. And so, Lord, have your way. We love you in Jesus precious name. We ask these things. Amen. You guys may be seated. This passage that we're going that we're looking at today is it really is I consider this one of the more important passages that we find in the book of Acts. I mean, so much takes place in the book of Acts. I mean, it's a uh, you know, I, I don't say that lightly, you know, so, so much work of the Holy Spirit, the baptism with the Spirit, the outpouring of the Spirit on the day of Pentecost, the foundation of the church, the work of the Spirit through the church throughout the book of Acts, and and what we see the Apostle Paul doing, you know, going from city to city to city, uh, ma- making sure that he goes into the synagogue each, each time he arrives for the purpose of bringing the word of God knowing that there are going to be fellow Jews who are going to stand against him. And not just simply stand against him, but act against him. We, re, we remember that in Thessalonica, in the first several verses of this 17th chapter, that as uh, they arrived in that city, uh, they went into the synagogue and they, uh, Paul taught Uh, We remember in in verse 4 of uh, chapter 17, uh, uh, some of the Jews were persuaded, a great multitude of the devout Greeks, and not a few of the leading women joined Paul and Silas. Uh, We we, we saw that they they said that uh, in verse 6, these who've turned the world upside down have come here too, as the, the Jews complained to the leaders of the city. But we also remember that in the first couple of verses, actually verses two and three of that chapter, we see Luke describing how Paul presented the word of God in that synagogue uh, for three weeks. And we see three important verbs there, you'll recall. He reasoned, he explained, he demonstrated. And we're to assume that when he went into the synagogue in Berea that he did exactly the same thing. You know, Luke just happened to, end that passage there, describing his work in the synagogue in Thessalonica, that that's what he did. And, and it's just an, a very, very important stuff that we see there in relation to the, the bringing, uh, uh, bringing the word of God. And we, saw in the, and we see in the 10th verse, as we see here, that we're looking at this morning, that the brethren there in Thessalonica immediately sent Paul and Silas away by night to Berea. When they arrived, they went into the synagogue of the Jews there. Paul was relentless, wasn't he? He was relentless. Nobody was going to keep him from going from city to city to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ. As he looked at the Old Testament scriptures... The New Testament had not yet been written. The Old Testament scriptures, as we saw in other passages, that he's proving that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is the Christ, right? That's what he's doing. And he's reasoning with them. He He is explaining things. He is demonstrating by showing them the Old Testament passages that Jesus, doing what he did, living the way he lived, Giving his life for the sins of the world that he indeed is the Christ. The son of God. The second person of the Trinity. God manifest in the flesh. Again, the Messiah. Giving himself for the world. The Jews didn't like hearing these things because they did not agree. You know, um, too often Too often, I have heard of individuals who will not attend a particular church after hearing a particular teaching because the teaching went against what they believed. May I ask you something? What's that got to do with anything? Honestly, what does any person believe have to do with what is true? You know, some people seem to respond in such a way that I know that it's true because that's what I believe. I would say there's a bit of intellectual pride involved there. And there certainly is not what we find here with the Bereans. And this is precisely why I think this is such an important, important passage for us. But before I get to the main point of the, pas- of the of the passage, let's just talk a little bit more about the beginning here. We are going to be looking at, at these verses. We, we already looked at verse 10. In verse 11, we see the, the, the important aspect of these things. Um, you know, the, the, the fact that these Bereans, as we see there in verse 11, let me finish the thought that I was going to finish a moment ago. <laughs> you know, like, what does what I believe have anything to do with truth right it's like the only the only way that what I believe can somehow uh, um, be related to truth is is as God's truth is implanted in my word and I receive it and I believe that then what I believe is true and only then isn't that right isn't that right you know, I mean, it, it, it's so important for us to understand that. It's so important for us to understand that. And, of course, what I believe, I believe is true. Otherwise, I wouldn't believe it. But I have, an, I have to have an openness to change that if Scripture says differently. Right? Such an important aspect of what we see here. Now, verse 11 I'm going to read this verse in a couple of other different translations. The uh, NASB says this. Now these, now again, this is speaking about the Jews in the synagogue there in Berea. These were more noble-minded. In the New King James, it says fair-minded. NASB, New American Standard Bible. More noble-minded than those in Thessalonica, for they received the word with great eagerness examining the scriptures daily to see whether these things were so. Uh, The New Living Translation, and the people of Berea were more open-minded, open-minded, it's described there, than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day, I, 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 li- I like the picture there rather than just daily, day after day. It's like they were really, they're really after that. I mean, they were not going to stop until they came to the truth. Day after day, they searched the scriptures to check up on Paul and Silas. You guys need to check up on me. Do you do that? Good. To see if they were really teaching the truth. To see if these things were so. To see if the thing that they're hearing really is of God. And we know that it's of God if it's in the scriptures, the word of God. Right? We know three things here in verse 11. About the uh, the, the Jews in Berea. One is, of course, that they were fair-minded, or more fair-minded, more noble-minded than the Jews in Thessalonica. Uh, We know that they received the word of God with readiness, uh, with eagerness. They eagerly listened to what was being spoken. Eagerly listening would seem to give the idea that they really had an eagerness in their hearts to know truth. And so they listen in such a way that, you know, I, I, I got to hear what's being said because I, I want to know truth, right? And then, of course, they search the scriptures daily or day after day. And then, verse 12, we see that first word, therefore. You guys remember that anytime we see the word therefore, we want to see what the word is there for, and in order to find out what the word is there for, we see that it's a link between what follows and what precedes it. And so because they were fair minded, received the word with readiness and and searched the scriptures daily, many of them believed. That's the link. They believed because of their own attitude toward what they were hearing and the relentless search for truth. Hearing something new, just because it was new, it didn't deter them from being open to receive it if it was confirmed in the scriptures, right? That's where these people were. I pray that we are always in that position, always in that position. And so these Jews were more fair-minded, noble-minded, or open-minded. The, 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 the description there, this adjective, really speaks about being well-born. It was just something within them that drove them to receive truth, but they had a, 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 an intellectual honesty. I think that's a really good way to put it. An intellectual honesty. And I think that intellectual honesty goes something like this. I'm a sinner. I was created by God. I have limited understanding. I have limited Knowledge. Compared to God, I'm nothing. His thoughts and his ways are higher than mine as, as, as far as the universe stretches out. That's such an important truth to keep, always keep in mind. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. As the heavens are above the earth, so the ways of God are higher than ours higher than ours. The ways and the thoughts of God are higher than ours. If his thoughts are that far higher than mine, when I read the scriptures, I better be open to hear what he has to say and to receive that as truth regardless of what I think on a particular topic. If I'm not open, I am putting myself on an equal plane with God, if not above him. Isn't that true? Isn't that true? I mean, none of us would ever say that, but that's really what we're acting like. That's what we're doing. That's what we're thinking, if that is our position. And I should not be open to anything new if the scripture says that it is not true, but I should if the scripture says that it is. There are so many in our culture today, even within the churches, who are simply not intellectually honest about what is being read in the scriptures. So many. And and, and, it, and, and we understand the reality of, of the spiritual warfare that we're involved in. We understand that in our culture, there's going to be the, the, this, this clash of uh, of the spiritual, the clash of, of, of truth and, and uh, uh, untruth, you know, the, the, the true witness and the false witness, the true prophet, the false prophet, and so forth. There, 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 that, that's, just, that's just true. That's just true. And because of that, we know that it, it manifests itself in different ways within our culture. But our culture is a mess right now. Our culture is a mess. I mean, whether it is in the realm of the science versus creation debate, as if creation can't be a scientific thing. Well, honestly, origins cannot be scientific. It can't. Because there was no one there to observe it. So anything we hear about origins, even what I read in the scriptures, it's not scientifically based that God created the heavens and the earth, nor is it scientifically based that there was this great explosion from this little dot out in the sky that contained all mass and then eventually evolved to what we see now. used to be a few million years, then it was a few billion years, now it's even more billion years, you know, because... As science does progress, we're seeing so many intricacies in regard to the world around us that the evolutionists are saying, well, it just has to take longer for this to develop. I mean, this is so amazing. So they move it back a few more billion years. And over my, I'm 70 years old right now. I started attending school 65 years ago. And over my 65 years of seeing things, I've seen that. You guys, you guys have seen that too, haven't you? It keeps changing. Why? Not because of truth. It's because of an agenda. It's because of an agenda. Well, if our, if our agenda is going to be believable, we have to keep moving that date back further and further and further and further and further and further and further. And further, and further, and further. May I say it's just Intellectual dishonesty which makes it kind of stupid but they word it in such a way that it appears that it's just brilliant it's, they're, they're, they're just very very stubborn in regard to receiving truth it, it can be also in, in regard to other issues in our culture like the abortion issue the homosexual issue, the issue of gender. That's getting crazy, isn't it? I, I mean I mean people are, 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 are being punished, literally punished for saying a man can't have a baby. right? You've guys seen that, right? How crazy is that? How crazy is that? Yeah, it, it, yeah it, 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 is it a mental illness of some kind? Is that what ag- uh, keep pushing forward toward an ev- agenda? Is that what it does? It causes a mental illness? No, I, I wouldn't go that far. I would just simply say that they, they just get stupid. You guys have heard me saying that for a while. You got an agenda that makes you stupid. And, and really, to be more honest about that, I mean, just the idea that having an agenda closes my mind to truth is what happens. And so with the closed mind comes the uh, lack of understanding, the lack, lack of seeing things. And so this, this noble-mindedness, it speaks about just really having an intellectual honesty with the understanding that you know there are things out there in the world and as far as we're concerned as believers the thing the important thing is there are things in the word of god that i do not completely understand and i'm telling you guys i've been studying the word of god for nearly 50 years this summer it'll be 50 years i've been reading the word of god and studying and you know what? God continues to open my eyes to new things. Have you guys found that to be true? You guys who are a bit older like me, have you, got, have you found that? I mean, you don't have to be as old as I am to, to see that, you know, and, and to experience that. But that's what we see. I mean, it's like we continue to learn. We continue to learn new things, and the term new only means that it's new to me. It's not new here, but it's just simply new to me in terms of my understanding of it, right? So important to understand that. And we see that they received the word with all readiness, with eagerness, with a willing mind. It's the idea of accepting it. Accepting by a deliberate and ready reception of what is offered. When we speak of it being, speaking of a, of, a, of a willing mind, it reminds me of John chapter 7, verse 17, in which Jesus said this, if anyone wills to do his will, the Father's will, anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the doctrine, whether it is from God or whether I speak on my own authority. In other words, if, when, when I am willing, to shape my life after the truth of God. And he brings me a new truth, which would cause me to change something in my life. If I'm willing to do that, then God will open my mind to know the truth so that I can then live the truth. If I'm unwilling to live the truth, I will not understand the truth because he doesn't bring it to me. That's why hearts and eyes are closed and ears are stopped up to certain things. Isaiah the prophet speaks about things, these things because the, those who are receiving the truth aren't willing to really receive it. They might say they are, but they're not, because they're not willing to adjust their lives accordingly. In John 13, verse 17, we see Jesus, after he had washed the disciples' feet, the apostles' feet, he said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you, what? Do them. Do them. Which would seem to me that if we know these things, if we don't find, if we don't do them, We won't find blessing from God, right? Such important stuff here. But receiving the Word of God with all readiness, with eagerness, with with willingness. Other passages that speak of receiving God's Word: Matthew chapter thirteen, in the parable of the uh, the the sower of the seed, verses eighteen to twenty-three. Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who received seed by the wayside. So, so receiving it, not understanding it, and the, the, the wicked one snatches it away. Uh, verse 20, but he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. The receiving with joy is this person, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. And when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles because there's no depth, no root. Now he who receives seed among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches. Choke the word. And he becomes unfruitful. But he received seed on the good ground. Is he who hears the word, understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some 100, some 60, some 30 fold. Receiving God's word. That's what that parable of, of the sower and the seed is all about. It's not about the sower and it's not about the seed. It's the condition of the heart and the way that the word is received. I have discovered over my years of ministry that, 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 that people who are blessed in hearing the word of God being taught really has very little to do with the quality of the teaching that they're hearing. You, you know, when you, when you tell me that, I, that you're blessed by, by the teaching, that you, that you really learned something, that, you know, it's like, I like to think, yeah yeah, I am pretty good, aren't I? You know, that, that's my pride. That's my nature. That's, you know, I mean, that, that's there. It's always there. But you know what? I, I have taught messages that I thought were the lousiest of all that, that I, I've had the greatest response. And I've also taught messages in which some people are, are just saying, you know, I, I was just wishing the study would never stop. And others are acting like, I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> it's a condition of the heart, quite frankly. You're receiving truth as I do my best to bring truth from this pulpit. It has nothing to do with me. because I'm not your teacher. The Holy Spirit is. And if your heart is open to receive truth, you will. And you will be blessed. And then I receive commendation for it because you're learning from me. Which you're not. It's the Holy Spirit that's teaching you. But it blesses me because that means that somehow the Holy Spirit is working through me to reach you. To reach your heart. So that's encouraging. But it's really about your ability to receive. Your wi- not so much ability? Well, it, it becomes ability because it, lack of w- willingness, you're, you're just not able to receive. If you have willingness to receive, then you have the ability to receive. You want to receive, you will. You want to know truth, you will. If you're ready to apply it to your life. Right? I mean, that's how this all works. That, that's why this passage is so important, all all these things that we're talking about. I mean, it is crucial, crucial for our growth in the Lord and our becoming more and more like Jesus that we have this readiness of mind to receive the word of God. In Acts 2.41, we see these words, and this is toward the end of, well, after Uh, Peter's very first sermon on the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, verse 41 Then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Gladly receiving. 2 Thessalonians 2 verses 9 and 10. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteousness, deception among those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. The love of the truth, that willingness... Psalm 119.97 speaks of this willingness, this love of the truth. Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. How I love your law. How I love your word. Do you guys love the word of God? Yes. I pray so. It's your only hope in this very difficult world that we live in. Truth of God's word. Our only hope to get through this life in a way that somehow brings honor and glory to God, salvation of the soul, growth in Jesus Christ, becoming more and more like Him. And getting to that place where we're standing before Jesus Christ when our life has ended. We come into His presence and He says to us, Well done good, and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. I'm looking forward to that day. Looking forward to that day. James 1.21 says, Therefore lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls. Notice how the word of God is linked to the salvation of the soul a number of times. A number of times. You know, we're told in this passage here that we're looking at this morning that the Bereans were more fair-minded or more noble-minded than the Thessalonians. But I want to look at a couple of passages from the letters of Paul to the Thessalonians in regard to their attitude to the word of God. Now, of course, Paul is writing to those who had received the word of God, both Jews and Greeks alike, right, as he's writing his letter. He's writing to the church. He's not writing to those stubborn Jews who would not listen. This is about the Jews who would listen in Berea, but would not listen in Thessalonica. And really applies to any person who receives the word of God. But look at this in 1 Thessalonians 1, 6 through 10. Paul writes, And you became followers of us and of the Lord. I love that right there. Paul speaks of himself and and his team. That as they went to Thessalonica and brought the word, They became followers of them, and as followers of them, they became followers of the Lord because in following them, they joined them, those who were following the Lord. You know, it is very similar to what Paul writes to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 11, when it says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. I'm following the Lord, so come follow me so we both can be following the Lord, right? That's the idea. Having received the word in much affliction with joy of the Holy Spirit. So they received the word in much affliction. We, We saw what took place in Thessalonica and those kinds of things continued after Paul and his team left. So that you became examples to all in Macedonia and Achaia who believe. Macedonia is the, is the northern part of Greece. Philippi and, 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 and Berea, uh, uh, the other cities that are there. Um, but also in every place, your faith toward God has gone out so that we... Do not need to say anything for they themselves declare concerning us what manner of entry we had to you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, even Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Powerful, powerful passage. Also in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 13, look at this. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, w- which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. If we do not receive it as the word of God, it will not effectively work in, in us, because we do not believe what we're hearing. We might say we believe, but we don't. If we don't welcome it, if we don't accept it as God's truth with a heart to apply it, to follow it, to obey it in our lives. That, that is such a critical part of the whole thing. And of course we see that they search the scriptures daily. They examine the scriptures day after day to see if these things were so. And again, I just want to point out, if the Holy Spirit, through Luke, writing the the, the book of Acts, commends these Bereans for searching the scriptures to make sure that Paul and Silas, and the Apostle Paul in particular, if he was speaking truth, if they're committed for checking up on him, again, as I said before, you guys better be checking up on me. You better be checking up on, on anyone you listen to. I don't care how popular they are, how many books they've written, how how well they are received. Check, check the scriptures. You know, I... I am blessed that, that that you guys come week after week to to hear the word of God being taught from this pulpit. You know, as I said before, I I know it's not because I, I'm this dynamic, uh, uh, riveting teacher of God's word. I'd like to be more charismatic. I, I I'd like to be more dynamic. And yet at the same time, it's like, you know, that's not what we need. We, we, we just simply need the simple teaching of God's Word, simply teaching the Word of God, so that we just receive it and understand it. You know, we don't need all the fireworks and stuff like that. And I, I remember we had a visitor one Wednesday night from a, another church, and he obviously believed that his pastor was quite dynamic because he asked me if I'm dynamic, as dynamic as he is. And I just, I was kind of baffled by that. I didn't know what to say. I don't know. <laughs> you know. You know, in some ways it's like, what's that got to do with anything? You know, I, I mean, the word of God is the word of God. And the power exists in the essence of what God's word is, not in the delivery of it. Isn't that right? For me, I just think that if I bring it in such a way that you know that I believe it, that helps an awful lot. I think it's that simple. I really do. I really do. But again, they examined the word on a regular basis so they could see whether or not they were hearing truth. Guys, we've got to do this. It's the only way that you and I can be assured that we are not receiving heresy, that we're not receiving false teaching. That we're not being misled or deceived. Or on the receiving end of a mistake that a faithful teacher of God's word has made through misunderstanding something. That happens too. We've got to check the word of God. John 17, 17, we see Jesus as he's praying to his father. He's praying for his apostles in this portion of his prayer. And he says, sanctify them by your truth. And you know the following words, your word is truth. Psalm 119, 151, you are near, O Lord, and all your commandments are truth. You want to know the truth? Go to the word of God. John 1837, we see uh, Jesus in his uh, encounter with Pilate. Pilate therefore said to Jesus, Are you a king then? And Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And as I've told you before, I'll say it again, this idea of being of the truth is being a person who wants truth. You truly want to know truth. You're a Berean at heart, as the Bereans are described in Acts 17. Everyone who is of the truth hears Jesus. If you're not concerned with truth, you won't hear what he has to say. You won't understand what he has to say. What he has to say will mean nothing to you And you'll oppose him, because what he seems to be saying is working against your own personal agenda. Right? There are certainly people who do not want truth and work against it. In 2 Corinthians 11, verses 13 to 15, we see these words. uh, Paul writing to the Corinthians, "...for such are false apostles... Deceitful workers transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. Meaning, there are pastors in so called Christian pulpits this morning who have transformed themselves into teachers of God's word in their own deception because they are false teachers, they are deceitful workers, wanting people to believe that they truly are teaching the Word of God. And then we see these words from Paul, "...and no wonder, for Satan himself transformed himself into an angel of light, therefore it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works." Not what they teach, but their works. But what they teach is a part of their works. There's just a lot of false teachers out there, guys. Presenting themselves as faithful ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This passage in 2 Corinthians tells me that. So I have to be on the lookout, I have to be on the watch, I have to be ready. I have, I have to guard myself against receiving that truth, or that, those untruths, so that I will be receiving only those things that are truth. And so, searching the scriptures daily. Because of these, these attitudes, therefore many believed. Romans 10 17 so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God one of the passages that I'm going to be closing with here it's a very very powerful and familiar passage to us in Psalm 19 verses 7 to 11 which speaks of the value of the word of God Psalm nineteen seven. the law of the Lord is perfect converting the soul. The statutes of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold sweeter also than honey and the honeycomb. Moreover, by them your servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. More, more to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Do you desire the truth of God's word planted implanted into your heart to be much more valuable than your retirement account? If you have one, if you have one left. More to be desired is the word of God than gold, even much fine gold, much fine gold. Have any of you been trying to figure out a way to to, to make your IRA maintain some sense of worthiness? you know, maybe moving a little bit of gold into it or something. Some of you perhaps have done that. But guys, this book, these truths are more valuable than anything in your life. It's more valuable than any bank account, any retirement account. I don't care how much is in it. If you have this and it is in your heart. God has implanted it in your heart. You have more wealth than any human being, any other human being on the planet. Amen. Because they are the riches of God. You are rich toward God. You know, I mean, we, we could name the na- names, Bill Gates or whatever. Sometimes we look at the amount of money that he has, and boy, that would be nice. But you know, when he stands before the judgment seat of Christ, he's not going to be able to say anything about how much money he, has. he might try to. But but God, I, I was the richest man on the earth for a while—not not lately, but for a while. I got billions and billions and billions of dollars. What's that got to do with anything? At that moment, it's going to mean absolutely nothing. What's going to mean something is, what about Jesus? Who is Jesus? Do you love him? Do you believe him to be who the scriptures say that he is? We do believe that, don't we? We're going to close our service today by celebrating communion, remembering him, remembering his work. And remember, even as we see, we talk about the truth of God's word being more valuable than anything. Remember that it is from and through God's word that we receive the truth in relation to Jesus coming to give himself for the sins of the world. So we're going to celebrate communion. We're going to have Richard come up. He's going to lead us in a, in a communion song.